I hate ticking clocks. Why? I'm just so obnoxious. I Why? hate non-ticking clocks. Because then I wake up and I think it's exactly the same time as when I went to bed. What have you got against clockwork? Oh, clockwork's fine, but ticking clocks, they, they wind me up. Rhythmic noises, like like uh, dripping taps, for example. There's another one that... Yeah, drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can't hear you over the sound of these fucking drums. <laughs> And welcome to World One Stage One. I'm broadcasting live from his right hand in the kingdom of heaven. Joining me live and in person is Mike. No, Hello. no, no. He's, he's not live and in person. He is. He's, yeah, I am. Well, he's not live. Kingdom of heaven. We're not alive anymore. No, you're not. That's because you're joining us via Skype from the realm of the sinners on an earthbound torment. Hello. I was going to get to that, but you've interrupted. Well, anyway. You... Luckily, there's Skype in heaven. Fuck ah. you. <laughs> that was the joke. Oh. Anyway, um, I am joined by Mike. Hello. And Troy. Hello. Who may or may not be in heaven and or hell and or earth. I have no idea where I am at the best of times. So <laughs> It was <laughs> a very boring rapture, wasn't it? Yeah, really? quite, quite uneventful. Although I did like the, the rapture parties people were throwing. How do you... Th- right. How do you prepare? Okay. No, no, it's not preparing. What you do is you invite your friend okay. to a rapture party. And then, before they arrive, you lay out some half-eaten food, half-finished glasses, and put some music on. Then you leave your door open and hide. <laughs> that only works if you know the precise time of the rapture. Luckily, we did. It was six o'clock. Ah, dear oh dear. <laughs> dear oh dear. So I quite like that idea. Another great and well-documented disappointment this time around. Yes, and one which the guy who brought it all um, to the attention of the media, Camping or whatever his name is, raised hundreds of millions of dollars to spread the awareness of. Right. Does he not now feel a bit dumb? I bet he now feels like he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. Also true. I think well, you'll find I'm, I'm accusing him of being a scam artist. Ah. Because he did it in 1994 as well. Ah. That's quite comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do it. Just make up a new rapture every 10 years, whenever you need money. Yeah, it's like I'm starting to tap out of the, the millions of dollars I raised last rapture. Hmm. Time to threaten the end of the world again. Just as a heads up, very soon, ladies and gentlemen... Nibiru is going to collide with the planet Earth. <laughs> now, this is something that I feel people of the planet should know about. So I'm, I'm fundraising, suddenly. And uh, if you have any spare cash you want to wing my way, uh, no, just get in touch. I, I think you should put together a Kickstarter. What's a Kickstarter? Kickstarter is a website where you can go on and put your project forward and uh, offer incentives to people to fund your project. Ah, my incentive will be that you know you're going to die when the planet hits Earth. Now that's a terrible incentive. Incentives are like, I'll give you a t-shirt if you donate $100. 
And I'll if you keep... donate two hundred dollars, I'll give you a hoodie. I'll give you a T-shirt if you donate a million dollars. No, what you need to say is that if enough people give enough money, everyone who's donated gets a place on the ship that I'm going to build to get away. That's, That's what clever. you're doing. You're not spreading awareness. You're building the escape vehicle. You're raising money for the Ark. Right. You are the modern Noah. Good call, Mike. You're my PR department. Because you came up with that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Simon? You're putting me in charge of PR. Yes. Simon, you're in charge. I'm going to be the beloved, <laughs> I'm going to be the beloved figurehead. I'm in charge of PR. Simon is just in charge. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with you anymore. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> no, no, no. It has nothing to do with you anymore. I'm in charge. Oh. <laughs> so if you want to go to my Kickstarter page and donate to the ARC fund. <laughs> this plan's stupid. I hope your planet catches fire. Well, speaking of the ARC, you should all go to Simply Read and uh, read my review of Brink. And then if you're in the UK, be sad that you can't buy it. <laughs> I, actually, I had this conversation with Andrew yesterday that I went to buy it and it's not on Steam. It made me angry. I was really surprised to see they'd pulled it from Steam because it's it's fine. I was playing it with Cody and Junpei the other day. Yeah, because I saw you playing it when you showed it to us. And I was like, oh, this looks really good. I'll give it a go. And we were playing it uh, on TeamSpeak, which makes it so much more fun. Because when you can just got... holler at each other. Yeah, you've got Cody shouting you down. <laughs> yes. Uh, but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about either. No. Have we got, before we crack on, have we got, because it's been quite a while. Holy shit, yes we do. There we go. You knew, you've preempted me. Let's have feedback. Yes. So now, some incidental music whilst I prepare. Well, it is also worth pointing out. No, stop with the incidental music. I'll give you adventure music if you're not careful. But yeah, on, it's worth pointing out. No. <laughs> Shut up. You're as bad as I am. <laughs> it's worth pointing out that we are quite active on Twitter so follow W1S1, and from there you will undoubtedly find uh, the heroes of World 1 Stage 1, whose tweets normally consist of, Mike, my workday is very long, and I don't like it. Simon normally retweeting Amanda Palmer or Will Wheaton. I don't think I've ever retweeted Not either of those people. Ah, oh, you might no. have done. I don't know. I'm just I'm just picking two random people off of your list. Those are people I follow, not retweet. And mine is inane bollocks. Well, that much is true. That is true. No, I will often be moaning about the Things. French. The French? <clears throat> yeah. You don't often have French... No, you do often have French I have French Frenchmen in my, in my house almost every week now. <laughs> it's starting to piss me off. Are they, like... Frenchman in your house every week. That's called an invasion. Yeah. <clears throat> and as an English person, what are you going to do about that? Well, <laughs> while they're all sat there having dinner, I sit next to the dinner table on my PC, playing Empire Total War at full volume. Exterminating the Exterminating French. Frenchmen. <laughs> it's my little way of getting back at them. So. Ah, mail. Yes, mail. <laughs> You've got mail. The First boxes of all, will make you angry. Mail for the fucker. This goes back a little way. Oops. <laughs> this is like to April the 1st. Oh, yeah, we forgot to Hooray! apologize for that. Yeah. Uh, which may make this, because this mail is dated April 1st. The whole thing might be a lie. Okay. Uh, it could be a retroactive April Fool's. But Richard writes, Hey, Simon, Troy and Jack, plus Mike and or Zoe or anyone else, if they happen to be on the podcast, read on. Just wanted to say I recently found the show on the Simply Syndicated Network, which is where you'll find our show. 
you can thank Atomic Trivia War 9000 for that. Although, give yourselves a round of applause for being awesome and interesting enough for me to stick around. Oh, hooray. Thank you. My girlfriend even seems to tolerate you. But apparently... <laughs> woman. But apparently thinks I'm a dork for emailing a podcast. Hey, I host a podcast. You're doing, you're doing better than me. Oh, I. Uh, I didn't contest her accusation. My only comment on the podcast is regarding the episode about the Sim games. I don't see how you could talk about Simcopter and not mention Flight of the Valkyries. Yeah, fair point, actually. <laughs> Mia culpa. Also, I don't recall you saying word one about Sim Tower, which I have fond memories of, but has not aged well. I Fair point, it's yeah, true. Never, I'd never played Sim Tower, to be honest. I had. Uh, probably should have mentioned it. It is actually really good. Oh. I'm like three. So, <laughs> and yeah. you also weren't on that show, I don't think. No, this that was before I was on... I think Sims was the one just before the Halo episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was before I was on the podcast. Good lord. Jeez. A time before Mike. I figure everyone else who emails also bugs you about shows they want to hear, so I'll just ask for Earthbound and Chrono Trigger, seeing as they're my favourite games. Oh, Chrono Trigger. Also, would be interested to hear your thoughts in an episode about PopCap games. I think actually, given the way things are going in gaming, a casual gaming episode... Yeah. Really big contender. Yeah. We should do that. We should. Also Chrono Trigger. Also Chrono Trigger. Shit, yes. Added to the list. So thank you, Richard, for that. Uh, moving on a bit in time. Uh, bum da -dum, bum da -dum. That was just an excuse <laughs> for me to shout bums on the internet, actually. <laughs> uh, we have um, a couple of audio comments from gentlemen well-known to the world of World 1 Stage 1. Me. John Romero. No. Um, me. Hey. What? Hey, lady. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> First of all, Stackblocks. Hey! Sends us this. Hey, guys, it's Stackblocks. Uh, in celebration of Portal 2's release, I thought I'd send y'all an audio anecdote, but uh, a phrase that's actually come into my group's little lexicon based on the original Portal. Back when it first came out, we were playing through, and we'd reached the first room with the pit of nasty sewage water, gel, acid, whatever it is. And in a bit of a spastic fit, I fired a uh, portal into the wrong spot and ended up dumping myself into said acid. My roommate at the time passes by, cup of coffee in his hand, just looks over and goes, You did it. You solved the puzzle. <laughs> and that's kind of become a term for uh, whenever anyone fails magnificently at any sort of puzzle game or hand-eye coordination-based feat. Well, I'll let you get back to what you're doing, but thanks for your time and keep up the good work. Okay, that's epic. <laughs> There's just something about the casual derision of you did it. You solved it. Yep, you solved the puzzle. I think that one's going to enter into my lexicon, actually. Very quickly. Very quickly. I think we should just, it pops up in this show. <laughs> I think we should just write it on your head, Troy. Would... My head's not a puzzle. You can't, you can't solve this head. Winning. <laughs> Winning. What yeah. happened to Charlie Sheen? He's trying to get back on Two and a Half Men, but that's a whole other story. No, he isn't. Ashton Kutcher's got his job. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie Sheen has tried to get back on. No, not really. He's just said that the show will fail with, without him. I'm he's sure. not tried to get back on. He's just said, enjoy your 2.0s in the ratings every week. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of ironic considering he kind of made his return to TV by replacing Michael J. Fox in Spin City. Also true. And... 
that kind of the ratings tailed off quite sharply after he did. Because it wasn't Michael J. Fox anymore. Oh, no, wait, no. Americans are strange. The ratings went up. In this country, they tailed off massively and they stopped buying the show. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we also have <laughs> what I believe is a little mini um, listener-submitted review. Okay. Uh, from Mike, a.k.a. Solar Mechanic. That guy. That guy, yes. That Irish Mike. Guy? Hi, Mike. I'm talking to you from a podcast. He's one of the people we frequently play Battlefield with on right. Xbox. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, and also an Xbox. F- frequent contributor to Shaft and well known to the Simply Syndicated Network. Okay. And also creator of some fucking awesome Portal 2 Papercraft cubes. Yes! I know. Which yes. got onto Game Informer. They Fair were boss. And he sends us his thoughts on Dragon's Lair, which is one we should totally talk about. Hi guys, uh, Mike again. Uh, no, your mic, my mic, me mic. That is the mic, that is me. Uh, I just got through playing Dragon's Lair on my iPod and uh, was inspired to write in with a short review. Uh, knowing that I've sent you two audio comments for one episode now, uh, I'll try to get through this as quick as I can, Yahtzee style. Enjoy. Dragon's Lair is a game from 1983, which received mainly positive reviews in the multitude of formats it's been released on. Having not escaped from my father's balls and subsequently my mother's vagina until 1989, I obviously didn't play it when it came out, and managed not to until the age of 22, making the game nearly 30 years old. Having no emotional nostalgic attachment to it, unlike most serious sites that review it, I can only come at it objectively with no bias and a pure heart. And in that regard, Dragon's Lair will may be the most evil game in existence. Imagine a 30-minute quick-time event where unless you turn them on, there are no prompts as to which of the five buttons you have to press. Not that the prompts matter much, as the margin for error is zero. Even knowing what button to press doesn't mean you'll be able to hit it in the pick-a-second window that you have. Add to that the fact that there are often many button presses in a sequence and missing a single one forces you to repeat the whole fucking scene all over again. This isn't trial and error, this is clinically designed torture. Adding insult to shit fuckery is the game's actual length. Getting every button press exactly right would probably finish the game in about 10 minutes, making this more effort for less payoff than the average gentleman's handshake. Even at 10 minutes, much of that content is repeated in the most cynical way, by repeating scenes verbatim except mirroring the animations and commands and changing the colour cue. And the reward for this? Watching the clueless dick you've been shepherding through the game get a peck on the cheek from a blonde bimbo in a leotard and fuck meetings. Give me half an hour and I'll find you a real-life one who'll blow you like a snazz cartridge and be thankful for the warm meal. Dragon's Lair is not a game, it's a money-making machine designed to hoover coins out of 80s kids' pockets and arcades at a rate of knots by prick-teasing them because it knows the internet won't be around for another 18-odd years and animated hoes be the best these kids can get. G. Uh, the arcade machine is also a rapper of BTW. There are apparently quite a few sequels to this, but frankly if they follow the same pattern I'd rather play a skip from Dad's Balls again and try to beat my old high score 30 seconds. The only reason this game reviewed so well even today is that the guys that are doing it aren't remembering the game, they're remembering finally getting to see Princess Daphne's comically large milkers, then spunking themselves. Probably into their mum's old bra. Oh, I hope that was as good for you as it was for me. Anyway, uh, thanks for making the show, guys. Keep it up. Keep the quality up. Keep it going. Yeah. We can... We can do this. We can... It changed the world. <laughs> yeah. Just us. Changing the world. Like Obama. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I love that man. 
like oh, high I, school. <laughs> I I know I know it's not like you don't have enough to do, Mike. But can we get a, a little two minute Mike Carson review for every episode? Yeah, because that was yeah. brilliant. <laughs> Also, I think I've based on that review, I'm gonna quite happily continue my long streak of never having played Dragon's Lair. <laughs> I played it when it was in the arcade. Oh my god, you're one of those kids he was talking about. Yep. But <laughs> that was that was something special. Okay. My brain. It's kinda of hard to follow that now. <laughs> you know how I said before I played the comment that was a game we should talk about or a franchise? No, he nah, said everything he would say, and he said it in two minutes. <laughs> good call. So good. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fuck. so we're here to talk about a thing. Yeah. Yeah, a thing. Mike, this was your idea. Go on. As anybody who has me on Steam knows, I will be mostly playing Total War games at any given hour of any given day. I will mostly be playing Total War. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and <laughs> so what relevance does that have to anything? Please, please to enlighten. So I thought we'd talk about Total War today. Ah, yes, that makes sense. It would follow. It would, indeed. Also, punching you in the face would follow, but not not necessarily after talking about Total War. But it might happen, indeed. So. Where does our story begin? Because Shogun Total War, the first in the series, how old were you when that came out? I was nine. Now, this is, this is something I learned recently, is that very small people tend to enjoy very complicated games for some bizarre reason. No, I haven't played it You've not played recently. Shogun? You're a monster. I've not played Shogun. Are you sure you were nine? 2000? Yeah. Yeah, I was nine. Oh my god. I feel so old. Okay. Yeah. Do continue. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you've not played Shogun. I haven't. Uh, I have. You have? Yes. Cool. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. At the time it was... I mean, now we've all come to expect that Total War does what it does. It does yeah. huge sweeping battles of a large number of units on the field with proper sort of army level command mm -hmm. during an engagement and that's the expectation of a total war game now yeah when shogun first came out the competition was command and conquer was um starcraft yeah games where you have a very very tight unit cap and very limited areas of engagement so when shogun turned up <coughs> with the overarching tactical map of Japan. So your campaign area is a country. Yeah. And then you get into individual fights with hundreds of men and cavalry, and it was fairly mind-blowing. It was... I mean, Total War, uh, to my knowledge, was genre-defining. Yeah. It, was, it basically created a new genre, because it wasn't like RTS games of old. This yeah. was a... Uh, war simulator but with all of the political intrigue and and micromanagement of cities and what have you that yeah, it was a war expect. simulator yeah uh, on, on every level from um creating uh assassins to go and take out prominent rival figures to creating scandal 
through to actually fighting them on the fields. Mm. It was at every level you were trying to conquer Japan. It was pretty stunning. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was initially it was supposed to be a uh, 2D like Command and Conquer. Yeah. But they saw that 3D graphics cards were coming out and they thought, yeah, let's play with it. They made the right choice. They really they did. did. It was uh, I love them. I love the games <laughs> so much. But I think we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we've not we've talked about Shogun very briefly, but what is a total war game? Because they all follow much the same formula. The the standard Total War experience begins with you. You start as a country or a nation, a group, something. In you Japan, have, you are one of the feudal leaders with territory. In in Rome, you're in, one of the leaders of a noble house. Or an opposition yeah. nation to Rome. Or, in Napoleon, you are Napoleon. In Napoleon, you're bloody Napoleon. I will speak about games like <laughs> Napoleon and Alexander later. They're a different thing. Are you having a grump on already? No, they're a different thing. They are not the same as a standard Total War game. All right. Okay, cool. But Because I know that because I play them. But... <laughs> so do I. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> and in so do many of our listeners, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a they're lot. Quite of well-selling games, and they're bloody brilliant. But um, in Empire, you start off as England, France, Spain, wherever you want to be. One of the great empires of the time. Yeah. And you uh, see now. This is where it gets difficult. It's not really, because a Total War game is almost two games in one. Because you mm. have your grand strategy. You've got your, your continental or your country view where you move your, your pieces, if you will, almost like a risk game. You've got your family members. You've got your generals, your assassins, your spies, your, your comely daughters that you want to marry off to somebody else. And you've got that sort of almost civilization-like level of what to build in your cities, what your taxes should be. But then you get to the really, really cool part, which is where you go to your 3D battle and you duff people over. There was a, um, oh, there was a, te- a TV show. Time Commanders. That's it, yes. And it used a modified Rome Total War engine. Yep, that was what made me pick up Rome in the first place. Can you, uh, some of our listeners might not know what Time Commanders is, so I have to briefly... <laughs> Right, Time Commanders. Well, it wasn't just Time Commanders. There was actually the History Channel did it as well. Did they as well? They did a show called The Decisive Battles, which used the Total War engine to recreate the decisive battles they were talking about. Huh. See, Time Commanders was was an interesting (coughs) one if you were the sort of 40-year-old anorak that many of us are in our hearts, and they'd take normally a team of two or three guys and put them in command of the armies of the time. And say, could you have done it better than Alexander? Could you have done it better than Caesar? It's an armchair general show. Oh, it so was. Because they every were one of these guys idiots. Well, they weren't. It wasn't that they were idiots. It was that these guys were the guys that you see at wargaming conventions who painstakingly think out every plan. The game that they've been playing for the last twenty years is the same tactical maneuver. There was. Oh, that show made it did make me so angry though. Because yeah. although I'm young, I have through playing these games, I've gained a certain amount of tactical ability. Could say you're some kind of tactical genius. <laughs> Shut up. 
I ain't no creed. But they, these people, stop with the trident. It's not a trident, it's a dessert fork. I just look, I found a dessert fork. <laughs> We're doing a podcast, Troy. It's I, not I time for dessert fork. I'll eat my dessert without a fork then. You bitch. Carry on. I'm listening. See, I just want to bitch about the people on that show now. That's the thing. It's okay. I don't want I to talk about the game. I just want to bitch about the people. Time Commanders, it is cool because they used a video game. They licensed the engine and they modified it in order to use it on TV. Sorry, I'm trying to really discreetly open a club bar here. I did feel sorry, though, for because of the way it was a computer game. The way the generals commanded their troops was to lean over to the guy at the computer and tell him what to do. And he probably knows more about war than the person telling him what to do. And he's sat there going, no, you're doing that wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you idiots. Uh, rant over. I don't, I don't want to rant. That wasn't a rant. That was yeah. not a rant. That was, that was a me rant. That was that me was a gentle trying not to bloody shout about people. Because it's not about the game. It's about the people. I don't want to talk about people. I want to talk about the game. <laughs> Okay. okay, talk about the game. Fucking cool! Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Now, having looked into the, the two differences of what a Total War game is, mm. grand strategy and battle. Well, to the point that you don't actually have to play the <clears throat> RTS mode, as it were, at all. You, you could play the entire game similar to playing a game of Risk. Which I often did. Because... Certainly in the early stages, uh. because a total war campaign can be a really, really long thing. Oh, yeah, they are. So there are swathes because of the way a video game works, where the advantage is to the player because you have real intelligence, uh, where you have decisive battles. It's, it's very easy to just let it resolve them automatically as you sweep into the, uh, the crucible of the map. And then you start controlling your troops directly when it really counts. Yeah. Whereas in the same in the same phrase, you can completely auto-manage all of the buildings, all of the taxes, all of the diplomacy. Well, not the diplomacy. Unless you could in earlier games. But the you could play just the battles if you wanted to. Hmm. Run it entirely as a military simulator instead of the grand strategy the game. game. Yeah. Which I feel does it a disservice because, man, man alive, it's so much fun. It really is. There, there are some times where, when I just want to kick some ass, at which point you load up an individual battle. Yeah, you get a quick battle and you go, ha I'm going to give myself $10,000 and the enemy will have 2p. <laughs> really? Do you do that? I do sometimes. I just want to kick some ass. So I just rack up the Ill most elite units I can get against a huge army of spods <laughs> and watch them all die. You go peasant kicking, don't you? I do. You freak. Now it's, it's actually quite interesting at this point to take a look at who is behind these games. Because the company in question is Creative Assembly, who aren't hugely well known mm. because they don't do a lot outside of the Total War franchise. But they did. Uh, they're a British company uh, in Horsham in West Sussex 
Wow. I don't know where that is. (laughs) (laughs) And they actually got their start doing uh, some pretty sort of low-risk, very safe kind of work. Um, Specifically, they were doing PC ports. They were taking games that were popular on the Commodore and on the Atari and putting them on to DOS. And they were responsible for the ports of, like, uh, Stunt Car Racer and Shadow of the Beast and things like that. Sweet. Electronic Arts sort of gave them the license to work with some EA Sports titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did, you know, one of the Cricket World Cup games and a rugby game. And the Australian football game, which was a franchise that EA Sports didn't continue very far. I, I'm going to leave that, actually. Aussie rules football speaks for itself. Well, AFL 98 was hugely successful in Australia. (laughs) Joe, why? Because it's like going to a person who only eats fish. (laughs) Here, everyone else is selling chicken, but I've got this anchovy. Yeah, basically. Uh, And then they made AFL 99, and as far as I'm aware, those were the only AFL licensed games ever made by EA Sports. Good, good. Well, may this trend continue. (laughs) (laughs) Creative Assembly handled the EA Sports licenses so well that they developed a good working relationship with Electronic Arts. And Mm -hmm. when the head of Creative Assembly went to EA and said, I've got this idea. Now, it's a bit risky because it's not really something that's been done before. Ever. But I think it could be cool. That's what um, persuaded EA to back Shogun. Okay, so it was it was just good relations and a little bit of risk-taking, a bit of venture. Yep. Cool. And since then, well, we know what they've been doing. <laughs> it's worth pointing out. I, I mean, I know I'm jumping forward quite a way, but every single one of the games has been Shogun, Medieval, Rome, Total War. Shogun 2 is the first to be Total War Shogun 2. Because they're finally deciding to push the brand. Just as a Which, thought. Which uh, also might have something to do mm. with the fact that Creative Assembly is now owned by Sega. Mm. Who just do things in a different way. Ah, uh, but they were owned by Sega by Medieval 2, weren't they? Uh, um, 2005 yeah. was when Sega picked it up, so That's, yes. Uh, release date of Medieval Rome. 2. Yep. So you're right, yeah, the Total War preceding mm. is new. Yeah. It's just one of those things that they're they're trialling for brand awareness, which is quite mm. interesting. But after okay. Shogun... After Shogun, we had Medieval. Which is so far the only one to really have a... Well, no, sorry, I take that back. Shogun 2. Yeah. But Medieval 2 was also the only one, really, which had uh, followed along in that way. But Medieval um, was awesome. Medieval was cool. That's where I got my first taste of the, the actual Total War series was watching my old boss play, determinedly playing as the English and beating up the French for no reason other than they were just across the channel and they spoke French. Yes, that's how you play these games. Yeah. That's how some people play these games. I know, I know. It's one of those things where it's like, is this a tactical, you know, is this a game which sees its success because it's such a grand tactical strategy and so on and so forth, or is it? A really good xenophobia simulator. (laughs) I think there's an element of both going on. (laughs) I pick the people I don't like and I go and kick them. Mike, how often do you play as the Germans and go and beat up the rest of the world Mm. in every historical simulator you ever play? 
quite a lot. There we go. Also quite a lot of the time I play the British and go and kick up the French. I mean, that isn't the appeal to Shogun. It's not the appeal to Rome, necessarily. It's not going to be the appeal for us in Empire. No. Uh, <laughs> so, but it is certainly true that I've heard a lot of people enjoy Medieval in that way. Yeah. But it's cool because I, I mean, I really sort of joined the party with Rome. Hmm. Um, Medieval was where I first saw the game being played, but Rome is where I got it. And... <clears throat> I remember it being quite difficult for me at first because they were banding around concepts and names and families and stuff like that, which I had no idea about. So it actually served to be quite an interesting history lesson as well as, you know, a game. That was where I dipped my feet in at Rome Mm -hmm. and I looked back on medieval. So I didn't, I didn't play medieval as much. I got in with Rome. I didn't really play medieval because I was still playing Shogun. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, there was only a couple of years that separated the two. Yeah. And in terms of periods of history, I'm more interested in feudal Japan than medieval Europe because yeah. I'm from Europe and I studied that in school, but I didn't study feudal Japan in school. Mm. So playing Shogun, because you were saying it's it's kind of as much history lesson as it is game in some ways, probably less true of Shogun, but it was that sense of something unfamiliar yeah. that made it feel more entertaining whereas medieval was like ah yes my history gcse has come to life (laughs) my knights my trebuchet so on so forth so Mm. i kind of skipped over medieval and went straight to rome and that was why i liked rome as well because it was in a way roman period except for games like caesar for example had never really been tackled as a military simulator Mm. you know you never got to do the battles and which was a problem because the Roman Empire was legendary largely for its military prowess. And man watching rank upon rank of legionnaires just tromping forward all in line with another. That's so damn cool. You could, in fact, engage in turtle war. Yep. 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 Turtle Rome, war. Turtle war. God, we're terrible. We're actually monsters. In Rome, I actually tended to find that I gravitated towards either the Greeks or Carthaginians be difficult wouldn't you well i like i like the whole idea of the phalanx the the phalanx is cool the static block incredibly defensive you know what spqr stands for i hate mike bell (laughs) just as a thought okay it's latin so (laughs) it's you know my pronunciation might be off fucking carthaginians The only campaign in Rome that I completed 100% ruled everything was with the Carthaginians. And why was that? Because I like them. I'm going to go and sack Carthage later. Yeah. Just, just for fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Carthage, how you doing? Oh, oh, we don't exist no more. And that was where I learned about the sacking of Carthage. Really? Yeah, no, because I was playing it through as the Carthaginians. I was like, oh, whatever happened to these guys? And looked it up. <laughs> and then you were sad. And then I was sad. See, that's actually quite interesting, because we are, before sort of Rome in that, whenever I was playing a game and I needed to look something up, it was always a trip to the library or yeah. whatever. Whereas now you just alt-tab. We're Wikipedia. hitting the Wikipedia generation, yeah. yeah. Thinking of Wikipedia, though, just a brief outline. Um, outline? Sorry, no. Story. Out of nowhere. Okay, I was these are wa- always good. I, I was watching the Pacific. Okay. Don't do that. 
Oh no, it's a good. It's a good show. That's the oh, yeah, one good. set in the Pacific War. That's by uh, by the same guys who did Band of Brothers. Yeah? yeah, and not quite as good, but it's still a good show. I well, everybody's criticism seems to be it's not Band of Brothers. No, it's not exactly. But my story goes like this: If ever you're interested about a character in a show which features a war, don't look them up on Wikipedia to find out how the rest of their career went. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> so yeah, Sacking wait of- until the end of the show, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and see who lived. Because <laughs> it was literally the episode I was watching where a certain character died, and about twenty minutes before he bought the farm, I was like, oh, "Let's find out about this guy. He's really interested." Ah, oh, you son of a bitch! Yeah, that's why they're doing the episode on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but same sort of thing with with Rome and what have you. You having discovered that was you know Carthage and all that. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Rome was also where the Total War series got big. Uh, 92% score on Metacritic, consistently one of the highest rated, normally about 95% on almost everything. Features high in the list of top 100 games of all time. Yep. It also got um, a Mac release. Uh, It was one of the first ones that really pushed the Gold Edition release. And it's uh, off the back of Rome. They sold the uh, Eras box, mm-hmm. which was the previous three games in the one box. Rome was where the, the series caught fire. Also the first one to have an expansion pack as well, if I recall. Nope. No, no Shogun, medieval... had an, Shogun, Shogun had it. Shogun had an expansion really? pack. Yeah, the oh, Mongols. Cool. And then Medieval had the Vikings. I thought that was Medieval too. Nope. Nope. Oh, all right. I've, and then I've Rome had two, admittedly. It was mm-hmm. the Barbarians and Alexander. A barbarian invasion was good. It's fucking hard, though. Yeah. Like, hardcore, super difficult. The adding in the religion aspect yeah. really made it incredibly awkward. Awkward or it... difficult? Mm, it was difficult. Because you got to remember, it's giving you a lot of the things that somebody of the time had to deal with. Yeah, it was difficult. Because mm. was when it was added, I was still small. Now uh... I can deal with it. I was smaller, and I didn't quite get the whole diplomacy aspect. Of course you didn't. I was kicking people. You were, I wasn't, you were three, and what was this? I wasn't doing diplomacy. I was punching people in the face. <laughs> and then suddenly people care about religion. It's like, I don't care. I'm just going to go punch these guys in the face. <laughs> but what happens when your punchers don't want to do the punching because you think God A is better than God B? Then everybody rebels. And, and I'm reduced to punch. one state. Oh, That's what happened. But yeah, it's also because of the success of Rome mm-hmm. is where the Total War franchise perhaps took a little misstep. Yeah, that one-off. Sega come along uh, <clears throat> and they go, hmm, you have this incredibly successful franchise that you haven't released on any consoles. What was it? Spartan, Spartan Total Warrior. Total Warrior, yes. Not Total War, but Total Warrior. Which was a hack and slash? It was on PlayStation 2, on GameCube, on Xbox. Uh, and not on the PC at all. You know why? Because PC gamers had what they wanted. Yep. It wasn't great. I think the less said about it, the better. I do know. I, oh. I want to say something about it. Because it did lead to a game that is good, but unfortunately my appreciation for it is going to speak volumes is it like your klingon fetish no but you're going to 
you're going to have comment, let's right. say, when I say that the, the sequel to Spartan Total Warrior, which dropped the Total Warrior name and stepped away from the Total War franchise, which was its blessing, it did that, uh-huh. was Viking Battle for Asgard. I don't think there's really anything I can add to that. Uh, comments to be made. I think our listeners know well enough by now what it is that's uh, buzzing around the heads of the assembled World 1 Stage 1 crew. Yep, it's good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Viking Battle for Asgard was another hack and slash, and yep. it was the battle to reclaim Asgard, hugely packed with Norse mythology, and also narrated by Brian Blessed. I've got to admit, I have a sudden urge to play this game. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I need to look it up. I, I have an urge to drink heavily and play <laughs> this game. We should have a night of mead and Viking battle for Asgard. You'd like that, wouldn't you? I would. It ah, would be a good night. shit! <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> what happened after Rome? Well, after Rome there was Barbarian Invasion, which went... Um, how far in the future was it? It was after the Roman Empire split into the two yeah it was the decline of the western yeah. empire it was and the influx of barbarians from the east yeah like 300 years later something like that yeah. it was a few centuries certainly mm. it went into ad mm. rather than bc um it was fun it was good but the franchise moved on to medieval 2 no it went to alexander no that was well, no, no, no. another expansion, an expansion for rome it wasn't an expansion it was a standalone was it Alexander was a standalone? It's always, it's I always played it, touted as, a, as an expansion. It's on on the engine, but you didn't need the previous game to play it. Hmm. Okay. At least I didn't. <laughs> I installed it separately and then immediately uninstalled it. Oh. Yeah. Was it not good? It was... Because what it was was, this is Alexander. He's the right. greatest general of all time. He did all of this in this amount of time. You have got this amount of time oh, to do, do the to same do his thing. Campaign you have to his do timeline. his campaign in his time frame. Oh shit. That's, that's that's tough. That's near enough impossible. Yeah. Uh for people who don't know about Alexander the Great. What was it? Sixteen years? Twelve years? Something like that. It I was mean, not a lot of time. No, he did sweep um, through. Most of the region... I think it was... The limit was something like 90 turns. Which a turn is six months. Yeah. So 45 years. So that would be his mm. lifespan. Yeah, his, rather than you've his... got his entire lifespan Oh, to so do. you got more time than he did. Because I bet you don't, don't have know, to but... start with being educated for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> which he was. God in hell, that was impossible. Yeah, no kidding. Ah, okay. So that was tough. That's cruel and unusual. Uh, thank I you, might, Creative Assembly. I might go back and do it. Now that you're some kind of anorak. Now I've got the idea in my head. Now <laughs> that I've got lots of experience with the games, I might go back and do it. Actually, you do get more time than he did. Alexander died at the age of 32. Oh, shit. So in, in slightly longer than he lived, although you have to recreate systems, his campaign. Although <laughs> the turn systems do change. Yeah. Because in... In Empire and Napoleon Total War, the a turn isn't six months, a turn is a season. Yeah. Mm. So it but might anyway, be slightly different. But Medieval anyway, 2. It was an incredibly hard game. Yes. Medieval 2 came seems, along. Seems like a strange choice to have made, having gone, 
shogun, medieval, Rome. It's like, okay, well, what what's next? What other great empires have existed in time? Well, what would you have done? I mean, I can see totally why they went back to the well. When you've got... What do you mean? Well, what other empires would you have done? I would have done Empire, possibly. Like, Empire Total War. Mm. Or um, American Revolutionary Period. And do... Um, trying to unite North and South. And but that's not... Uh, the, hmm, the Civil War is not a Total War game. True, I don't know. Because in the same way that you take control of a family during the Roman period... Mm. It could just as easily be... I suppose it could, but to me it doesn't have that same feel. It's not as grand as yeah. the scale, I think. No, I see where you're coming from. I mean, but... I say this, Shogun is basically that. Mm. But there are so many feuding houses in Shogun. Yeah. There are, mm. You've got to deal with the multiple opponents' wars on many fronts, whereas the Civil War is the North and the South. Yeah. Which you know, simplifies things hugely. With the with the like alexander and napoleon the following of the generals it's these great generals who conquered the world Mm -hmm. you've got that entire you've got more to play with. you've got a lot of things to do i probably myself i probably would have gone for what empire did when medieval 2 came out i don't think they made the wrong decision it just seems strange like you said to have gone back to the well but why Mm. why do you see well because i don't think at that time they could have done justice to something like empire bear in mind they hadn't, um, at this point, I mean, they hadn't, before they did Empire anyway, I admit, done any naval battle. And when you hit Empire, my God, that's... That was the key point for me part of part buying it, isn't it? Um, yes, the British Navy. What, what? Ship <laughs> of the line? Yeah, uh, British Navy. Yeah, we, that's somewhat important to the story of Empire. So I can imagine at that point they say, we want to do Empire, but... That's going to take some sitting down and thinking about. Yeah, we need the technology. We need to do something in the meantime. Now, Rome kicked off the franchise in a big way. Yeah. But we have these two games proceeding. Uh, and they didn't have anywhere near the sales of Rome. So what if we revisit one of those and polish it up nice and shiny and, and do it how we would have done it if we'd had the technology we have now then? Hmm. And, you know, they sort of went, they clearly love medieval. Yeah as a title, and wanted to give it its showing. That would be my thinking, anyway. Hmm. It was a very good showing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Medieval no 2, doubt. fantastic no game, because I skipped over Medieval, and I think a lot of people did. Uh, but I played Medieval 2. Oh, yes. Did Stop. I play the Germans in Medieval? I can't remember. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. I can't quite remember. All anybody would have had to have said to you was Teutonic Knights, and you would have spat your little man pants and gone running off to play the Germans. You what? didn't get Why Teutonic don't... Knights. What? In Medieval 2. I swear you didn't. I don't know. Why don't you play Black Templars? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that's slightly we'll off to topic. Uh... Not by much. <laughs> well, they've got a new codex coming out, so I may. Oh, that's true. They do. God. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Matt Ward. Probably have Damn deep, you. Deep striking land raiders or some shit. Anyway, <laughs> so Medieval 2 was a revisit of Medieval. Mm. It and was... It was The big difference for it for me was there was a slight expansion on the military side. Uh, yes. The ability to build more than one unit at a time. Yes. Hell yeah. 
Because in the previous games, it was whenever you wanted to recruit an army unit, you you went to your town, you told them to recruit a unit, and it would take six months to recruit one unit of infantry. In Medieval 2, I was always going to say in Medieval, it's Medieval 2, you could recruit, I think at the highest level, you could recruit eight units in six months. Yeah. Well, you in... went into kind of total war doctrine and mm. just threw everything at your... Um military production and another thing was the the separation between civilian buildings and military buildings having a castle or a town mm-hmm. a town gives you much more wealth but you're much more limited in the types of troops the amounts of troops you can build if you build a castle you got all of the defensive capabilities all of the troops you can get anything you want but you don't get anywhere near as much money. Yeah. And I remember playing a couple of battles against castles. There is something so awesome about laying siege to a castle in Medieval 2. Oh, def- the, the I battles love are defending. Just... Um, defending a multi-tiered castle. No, man, attacking. No, but that's, I, I love attacking, but because I'm better than the AI, I was very <laughs> rarely attacked. So I would use, I would always load up an individual battle, and just have the experience of defending. You're a spanner. Attacking is the way forward. Attack, attack, <laughs> attack. Attack is the best form of defense. Iron warrior, imperial fist. <laughs> so no other way around. It's kind of the other way around, really. Shh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you used to work for the company. So medieval two, um, especially for people who grew up with european history i'm sure mm-hmm. uh, and especially for the british it really starts to have a bit of a tell that this is a british company when the starting events of the game are the norman conquest mm-hmm. yeah uh, <laughs> that's, that suddenly makes it quite personal because the first objective is try and why don't you capture wales <laughs> why don't you get control of scotland but what amuses me about Medieval 2 is a Swedish historian spoke about this game right. at length and said that I'm not quite sure what his reasoning was because I haven't read the full article, just to praise But he said that uh, Medieval 2 is uh, bl- belongs to a school of art of historical battle depiction uh, and is comparable in that way to the bronze engravings of the 1600s. In both its Point? importance to historical art and its significance. So I thought that was very interesting. It's like, it's not we've been history. talking about history lessons slash gameplay. Mm. Clearly we're not the only ones who think so. Well, that's one thing that we haven't brought up, is that in each of the, in each of the games, there is the ability to play a historical battle. Yeah. You can, it's the a, battle as it happened. Yeah, the separate the setup. menu. You have... The terrain as was at the time. You have the troop sides. And you are given free reign to play this battle. Mm. It is time commanders. It is, you are given a classic historical battle. You are given one of the armies. Can you do better? Or at least as well. Yeah. Can you you snatch victory where another commander was beaten? No. (laughs) Almost certainly not. Because historical battles are always weighted to the victor. That's how people win. (laughs) <laughs> Doy, but anyway, 
Here is a superior force who have the high ground. Could you have won where this man failed? No. There's a superior force with the high ground. No, I'm going to play the superior <laughs> force and crush the rebels. <laughs> well, often, invariably, the little force is always the rebels. Well, the ones on Rome were quite difficult because it was... Are you going to beat they... up the Romans? No. No, it was very rarely... I think there were only two of the battles were with the Romans. The Battle of Tannenberg and the one against... the guy. Oh, damn, the one against Hannibal. The big one where everybody died. Can't remember the name. Elephants. In 320 AD. No, it was when after he'd died. run out of the elephants and he just got pissed off. <laughs> so he killed... <laughs> everybody that was that was actually on time commanders was it i remember that specific battle hmm. after he'd crossed the um that might be where i'm remembering the mountains, it from all the elephants were all doomed and then it was like romper stomper bippity bop i'm going to give everybody a great big wallop mm. cool so empire empire now empire <sighs> is the one where i started getting it empire is my favorite empire is the one that i'm still getting empire had guns Empire has boats. I know the time period. So, because this is what threw me when first playing uh, Rome and medieval and stuff like that, yeah. where the unit names were incomprehensible Latin garbage. <laughs> See, that's the difference. I knew what every single and one of those was. I know you did. But in Empire, where it goes militia, rifles, grenadiers, I go, <laughs> I know what these men are. I know the quality of these troops and what to depend on. Suddenly it made sense. Oh, poor you. But I always auto-resolved boat battles, because, man... No, that was the sell the big selling point for me, was naval combat mm -hmm. in, the Medi in the Empire era. Was cannons. <laughs> <laughs> Guns. The history of the Royal Navy. Everything like that. Just actually doing it was the best thing about that game. Um, when I was considering buying it, I was reading some of the reviews on on some sites. It was saying, oh, it seems it's the land battles are terrible. It's not a case of who's the best tactical victor, victor. It's who's got the more guns and which of them are more accurate. And you just stand in a line and shoot at each other. In fairness, this like, game is set in sort of the 1700s. Who had more guns and which were more accurate was a strong deciding that factor. Was, that was the reason. I was, all these people were going and saying that, oh, the naval combat's really slow. Like, yes. Naval yes. combat took hours to You're work talking out. about dreadnoughts weighing many tons being powered by nothing but the gusts of air caught in sheets of cloth. They are quite slow. Everything is slow. Everything is deliberate. Yep. Like, the problem no. is... You reach a point where you're going to hit that guy, and that guy is going to see it coming for half an hour, but yep. the fuck all he can do about it but panic. That's how naval battles worked. Yes. You would sight a ship on the horizon, and you would form into line, and you would angle in to come alongside for a grinding wall of battle, uh, well, line of battle. That's why they're called ships of the line. Yep. Oh. Exchanging cannon fire back and forth until you either veer off or sink. It, there was a a brutal formality oh, to yeah. early naval warfare, and there was that sort of dated uh, antique notion of yeah. honor. And combat. commanders a... on both sides knew the drill. You you formed into line and you came alongside. A quote from Nelson that I love is, "An admiral can do very little wrong as long as he gets his boat alongside that of the enemy." Yeah. 
That's tactical I mean, genius. Ultimately, man. what you wanted to do was actually come across the enemy, exchange your well, broadside to his his bow or stern, because then he can't hit you. That is, I've been ex- I've been and it's awesome. I've been experimenting with it quite a lot, and it does. It's a very hit and miss tactic. It can go so badly wrong. It was it was regarded though as I mean, you either have the line, the battle of attrition, the exchange of cannon fire, one for the other, who has the most luck, or you can go for a decisive victory. And the thing about trying to seize a decisive victory is you risk a decisive defeat. So it was it was the thing that made a great admiral great was being lucky yeah. when they went for the decisive decision, and that is represented in Empire. By the way, if you notice, I've started talking more. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed? <laughs> this is where I started fucking loving this, this your franchise. <laughs> I love naval warfare, um, and this game has it. And it's a period where naval warfare was the form of warfare. Yeah. The the importance of getting control of the sea was something that, that Britain understood very well. Um, yes, but also in the game, it's quite important. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's when... <laughs> Sorry, I just expected you to start curling this giant waxed moustache. <laughs> well, it's on one of my recent playthroughs, I neglected the Navy quite a bit. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I was going for a land campaign in America. Yeah. And I neglected the home fleet. And I got absolutely pwned by the French because they just sat some ships outside my ports. And my money went away. My ability to sustain my <laughs> army went. And I ended up having to restart because the French beat me. You Commerce raiding, destroying lines of communication was, and trade. I was beaten by the French and the Spanish. You're the worst Englishman ever. I was. But what fascinates me about Empire is we're talking about a British developer mm-hmm. come out with a game called Empire mm-hmm. in which naval battles are the key new element of the game. And the historical campaign is the formation of the United States of America. That's an interesting decision. Nah, man. It's called playing to your audience. It is, but I would have totally gone with the formation of the British Empire because you want to talk about something grand. Oh, yes, but you can't have that as the... the empire. You can't have that as the opening, as the tutorial, as it were. Yeah, you the can. The formation of the British Empire. That's the entire game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it goes, <laughs> it goes, here's how America started. Yeah. You've got like three or four places... Great. Now we'll set you back just before America started. You can pick your side and have fun. Now, yes, admittedly, be the British and make the British Empire, <laughs> <laughs> which I do. But which yeah, I, I mean, do. it is uh, it is uh, eye opening that you know they are playing to their audience. Oh and, yeah, because so, uh, the game has always felt very Anglo centric. But now it's got that exposure. Mm-hmm. There's got to be that little sort of in for your American audiences if you want to to capture them. And oh, it's initially you can't play as America. Because initially America doesn't America exist. America doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find it, um, as much as I found it a surprise, it was a welcome surprise. Because let's go back to um, Total War as history lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm not American. My history lessons did not cover the um, Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. I was vaguely aware of elements of it. But this is a Total War game. You get to fight specific battles in and around Boston and... Gettysburg. Gettysburg. And you are taught about the people, the places, the times. And I know more now than I did before I played the game. Yeah. And I kind of trust a lot of that to be true. 
because historically these games are quite well researched. Mm. Mm. So it was fascinating to me. And to me, where I'm, I'm familiar with war, I know what went down, but getting to play it, yeah, actually seeing it instead of reading about it and hearing people talk about it was just so goddamn cool. So kind of... And when I realised I was to... a bit better than George Washington at the Battle of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> but where Simon's kind of learning about it, playing a game he knows is going to be good, it's a total war game, it's yep. like saying a civilization game. Yeah. You yeah, know he's it's going to be good. Pretty much reliant on it yeah. being... Uh, uh, in, uh, what's it called? A... A real corker. A something, a small but significant change from the last game. A something step. A small step. Anyway. You have a bigger uh, brain and you're asking us for words. <laughs> but you know it will be an improvement on what came before and what came before was great. Incremental. Incremental step. Yes, from one game to the next. Yeah. So you're playing a game you know is going to be good and you're learning about the history of yeah. it, which is kind of cool. Whereas Mike, you're... You're getting to the history that you love, yeah, and it just so happens that there's a game engine which uh, caters entirely to your beating things up fetish. Yep, it's fantastic. <laughs> and then there was Napoleon. Yes, <sighs> which I also have because at the time I bought Empire on Steam. Steam, Steam. I knew it was coming. Steam. What was on special on Steam? Steam, Steam. You could buy Empire and Napoleon as a packaged bundle cheaper than you could buy Empire. Yep. So I own Napoleon. That's why I own Napoleon as well. <laughs> Have you played Napoleon? I started playing Napoleon, but I'll admit this was when I was playing a lot of... When did this come out? Fallout 3, I think I was... No. New Vegas? There was a there was an RPG. There was a first person RPG I was playing at the time, and Napoleon just didn't get the time it deserved. Okay. So I've not done much with that one, to be honest. Simon, not really, because I was. I'll tell you what I was playing at the time: Empire. Empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I've I played. Oh, I'd say about a quarter of Napoleon. Nowhere near. I've, I'm still in the learning stages, and I've ground to a halt. Yeah, I, I just want to play Empire. Now, why? Because that's starting to sound a little bit like the sort of Final Fantasy syndrome. Because, of... because it's like Alexander, you are comparing yourself to one of the greatest generals of all time. Yeah, you are. You're not limited by his time frame, mm-hmm. but you are constantly reminded of his time frame. Uh, <laughs> by this point, Napoleon had X. Yeah, I've got a farm. You, you've got twenty turns to complete your objective if you want to be as good as Napoleon. But I've just started unit production. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a fun fact about Empire, before we move on from it completely, mm-hmm. is... I'm going to um, come back to it. <laughs> the artwork on the box, if you didn't buy it through Steam, was localised. Oh, really? So the German box art had a um, Prussian uniformed soldier... Totally getting that. Uh, with the eagle behind him. Yeah. We, of course, had Redcoat with the Union flag flying yeah. behind him. The Americas had the um, Betsy Ross flag flying yeah, yeah. behind a Confederate. So it's... Was it a Confederate? Well, yeah, it would be a mistake to say it is British Empire, total war. It is the age of empire, if you will. It's the last... American Revolutionary, not Confederate. That was Civil War. I'm being yeah, dumb. But it's but, the superpowers of the time. Yeah. It is the empire's... That's kind of cool. I did not know that, though. 
Because that's fair, the German Empire of the time was fearsome. Yep. Well, um, actually, to start with, it was very rubbish and small. Like a certain dreary island I could name. Yep. <laughs> I also quite like the uh, special forces element to Empire. Yeah? Which was... No, you can buy the individual special units. You buy... It, it's a little DLC, and you get, yeah. uh, depending on which Empire you play as, you get Roger's Rangers. Oh, dear. Who's that? Yes, I got that. I did Roger's that. Rangers. American? Uh, yeah, it was... Um, uh, one of the companies of the American militia. Uh, a Miniman group. Oh, no, it's a British. It's a colonial force for the British. Yeah. Uh, so they were pretty cool. Uh, the Gurkhas. Spanish guerrilla wa- uh, warriors. <laughs> the guerrilla French... warrior reporting. <laughs> the French-Irish Brigade. Or, my personal favourite, HMS Victory. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh! You've got the victory in See? your stable, do you? It's, it's a little bit of a game breaker, but Cause... she's damn sweet. No, <laughs> victory was kind of annoying for me because I always had to have her in my fleet. Yep. When every other ship in the fleet was bigger, because she's a first rate, not yeah. a heavy first rate. That is true. Also, apparently, she's down twenty guns. American buyers who uh, bought it from um, Best Buy. Got the USS Constitution. That's that's kind of sweet. That's you, awesome. you, I'll, just to plug it, you can get all of those units on Steam. <laughs> yeah, Steam does have quite a good history of giving you the pre-order bonuses later as purchasable DLC. Yeah, you don't get them free, but they're not restricted forever, which is quite nice. Yeah, you're not limited by wherever you are. Oh, you can get everything. Yeah, it's like having the um, the Royal Welsh Fusiliers. Marching around. With their big silly hats. Yeah. They look so cool. Man, Empire was awesome. Empire is awesome. I'm still still... playing it. Yeah. I'm rubbing the arms of the chair excitedly, because... Don't do that. Fuck yeah, Empire. (laughs) And then Napoleon, which... Napoleon. Yeah. It's a case of, this guy's awesome. Can you be as awesome? Napoleon, I think, has the problem at the moment, where it is a very good game. And it but did Empire fix. is so goddamn good, no one stopped playing it to play Napoleon. It fixed a lot of the battle problems that I found with Empire. Empire. The the volleys of musket fire were more realistic. They had a better um, the effect that you would imagine. The troops lined up better. They didn't get so confused when you told them to march around. The artillery there were was some more effective. issues. I'll agree with that. But. Because it's a progressive campaign, you don't get the full experience. Yeah. So I went back to playing Empire, because <laughs> it's just as good. If not better. So, on that note, have you played Shogun 2? Yes, I have. Your thoughts? It's really, 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 really Come on. good. There we go. Right. Why is it really good? The AI is so fucking smart. It's crazy smart. The... Just... The traditional Japanese way of warfare as well is a bit alien to me. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit awkward. I find it a bit difficult. I'm learning. I'm playing Empire a lot more. 
<laughs> because every time I lose on Shogun, I go, oh, let's go kill something with the British Navy. <laughs> <laughs> the naval battles are complicated. Yeah. And they're not... They are, they are very important. But they're not... In such a way, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's... It, because of it is feudal Japan, it's... Everything is close combat. Yeah. So I can't stand off. Japanese ships are basically just giant towers filled with men to go and ram into another tower. And, and fill it with them. Fill it with men. Cool. I'm going to transfer men from my boat to your boat, and then your boat will be full of my men and your men, and then it'll your be full of only my off. men. <laughs> your men and then I will have two boats boat. full of my men. No, you'll have two boats half full of my men. No, because then they will be full of my men, and your men will all be dead, and then I will have to- two boats full of my men, and you will have no boat nor men. Oh. I do not that want is how boat. Japanese warfare was conducted on the I do not want seas. a boat anymore. <laughs> I think you might kill my men. Throwing men at one <laughs> We throw men at them. <laughs> it works. That's mm. sort of the First World War tactic, though, isn't it? No, that was no. we'll walk men slowly towards the enemy. That's an empire tactic. Yes. Walk men slowly towards each other in bright jackets so they don't get confused. They know which one's which. <laughs> yep. This works well against muskets and things, less so against landmines. It's just one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that is true. By the way, this is the recording side of the microphone. Oh. <laughs> uh. But it looks like it has two sides. Yeah, but that one's turned off. Because oh. uh. it's it a stereo microphone, but it's recording only in mono. Bass. So as not to pick up ambient noise from the room. <laughs> you friggin' freaks. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, with Shogun, the, the battle's the way of warfare. Um, sieges. With Japanese castles. Yeah. Are bloody brilliant. Because in previous games, to get into a castle... Well, not with Empire, but in, like, Rome and earlier, you needed siege equipment. Rome and earlier? What, those other two games? Medieval, Rome, previous... (laughs) And Shogun. And Shogun, and (laughs) Medieval, and Medieval 2, whatever. It's a long list... I can't be asked. No! It's a very short list. Roman earlier is medieval and shogun. Shut up. But being able to attack a castle with no equipment, just being able I'm gonna to. I'm going to punch the wall. Oh, you the walls are made of paper. You get a guy with a sharp knife and he goes through. <laughs> what I didn't realise was that after a while, I noticed that a sharp my men knife were is get- technically equipment. Shut up. <laughs> my men were getting to the top. Even though they hadn't been. Engaged at all, there were less men. Were they your men, were your they men as they're climbing some up the walls, fell off. some of them fall. So you so, should have bought ladders, right? Yeah, there is. There's an advantage to getting the equipment. Wow, who would have thought? <laughs> but, no, but you can't get the only equipment you can get is at. I haven't even accessed it yet. Is uh, siege weapons to knock the walls down? I haven't done that yet. Get ladders. They don't have ladders. Invent the ladder. They don't. Tell Right. Why would you, you invent do? the ladder when you can climb the wall anyway? Okay, what you need to do... So that you take... don't fall off and die. Yeah, but nobody thought of that. Take take the net cable, okay? Take your whatever out of your computer and whisper into it, I want to invent a ladder. And you call Steam. Okay, you whisper to Steam and they will give you a DLC pack for like 39p featuring ladders. That's how this works. Okay, do that then. Oh, you do it. You're the one who wants the ladders, Milado. 
But I have heard that Shogun 2 is kind of more akin to playing Shogun than it is to playing Empire. It, it oh, has it's so different. Yeah. It's it's sort of um streamlined the whole process, taken a lot of the faff out. It's I mean it was it was quite it's quite a big step for me going going from gun lines and artillery back into close combat. I'm finding it awkward to do. But fun? But fun. Oh god yeah, it's fun. I wouldn't be talking about it. I wouldn't have bought it if it weren't fun. You might have. You might have but you wouldn't have kept bought it. it. It's like a Ghostbusters Sanctum of Slime. I bought that, and that's not fun. Is it not? No. Well, that's a shame. Yeah. You have a different worldview to me. I don't buy anything See, unless is, I know it's going to be good. Ordinarily, yeah, that's exactly it. Ordinarily, I'll go to Metacritic, which is what I, t- I was laughing about last mm. night. I looked up Rome on Metacritic, okay? Five negative reviews. 58 positive reviews. Every single critic review, rather than user review, they were all positive. And mm. the five negative user reviews were for inarticulate morons. Yay. It's like, okay, you're dumb. You don't get Total War. You don't understand. And it's okay that you don't understand. Go play Halo. It's a good game. Now this is me. I fucking love Halo. <laughs> <laughs> not to belittle the audience. But Halo does not require a certain barrier of entry IQ to enjoy. Neither does Total War. He played it when he was nine. <laughs> yeah, but he clearly had I a higher had IQ than IQ. five idiots on Metacritic. This, is, this, this is was true. the boy at nine who would sit down and watch the Discovery Channel. I wasn't saying that the barrier of entry IQ was high. <laughs> just that there was one. Yeah, purposefully set low, perhaps. Maybe more than one digit to rub together is what you need. Uh, it's like, hey guys, you're playing, you're playing Total War and you've left a negative review on Metacritic? You've done it. You've, You've solved, solved the puzzle. puzzle. <laughs> Yay! It went in. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different puzzle, man. That is. It's a different solution to a different problem. Um, um, I think we've said pretty much yeah. everything that needs saying about Total War. If you are into grand military strategy, campaign maps, that sort of thing, Total War is arguably one of the best game series ever made. It's well named. Yeah. I'd, I'd hold it up with the likes of Civilization, with, um, well, actually, it's the only comparable game I can think of, where <laughs> every time you take a step forward, that incremental in, um, improvement, you're guaranteed a good game. Yep. Don't listen to those five guys on Metacritic. I hold it higher than Civilization, but that's just me. Well, again, different type of game. You're more about the battles. Yeah. If Civilization turned around and went, now you can take 3D control... Yeah, I play Assuming direct control. Battle control terminated. No mm. different thing. I know. Shut your face. I hate you. I hate oh, you. Welcome aboard, Commander. Hey. Space! Hey. Space. Hey. You I'm solved the, the puzzle. God damn it! <laughs> so on that note, um, I think that's it really, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Fantastic, Fantastic game. Um, Rome on Steam. Medieval 2. On Steam? They are all on Steam. With the exception of the original Shogun and the original Medieval. But that's okay, because now there's Medieval 2 and Shogun 2. So that is true. Is uh, and Rome runs on a shitty old laptop, so if you're concerned about your gaming Yeah, I can machine, tell everybody out there, if you have the ability to listen to this podcast, you have the ability to play Rome. 
That's a bold claim. I'm sitting in a room listening to this podcast right now. I can't play Rome on my tits. I'm not saying there right. are multiple computers in this room. I'm not which saying you can play right Rome now. On. At which point you can over there. I'm just enjoying playing with myself. Actually, you carry on. It'll work. It's fantastic. If you've not played it, give it a go. And it's a great entry point to the to the series. And if you're on Steam and get a bit confused, we're all on Steam, and I would gladly talk you through it. <laughs> yes. Alexander over here will take you through everything. See, I tried to do it with Andrew at Victoria too, and he turned out to be a lot better than me <laughs> very quickly. Once I showed him how to work it initially, he became very good very quickly. You felt a little sad, didn't and you? And I felt a little sad. Well, it's an accountant's game, and I'm not an accountant. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew's an accountant, basically. Okay. Okay. He does the maths. So you just, you just, you just settle down there, big boy. One brief thought. We haven't touched on multiplayer at all. I haven't played multiplayer at all. I haven't played multiplayer. Nor have I. We should do that, Multiplayer exists. Yes. It's a thing. We and should investigate. We, we should. should. Jinx. And there will be a World 1 Stage 1 multiplayer report. Yeah. I'll put it on the forum. That sounds good. Yeah. I like that. We can use More reasons to send people to the forums, which at are at simplysyndicated.com. Jinx. Double jinx. Shit. Ha ha. Well played. I am the man. There's your coke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, simplysyndicated.com, where you'll find not only the forums, where you can come and chat with us about games, you can also talk about any of the other shows on Simply Syndicated, or just generally chat with other listeners. You can find out about all the other shows, of which there are many. Some podcasts do a list. We don't. (laughs) Some podcasts are different. Some podcasts are professional or quality. Oh. We are neither of these things. What one stage one throws piss at people and lives in a van? <laughs> Starbase 66 getting to talk to celebrities and shit. That's really... Yeah. I hate them. I love them. I hate them. We I talk love to celebrities. Them. Talk to me. Yeah. I'm a celebrity. Yeah. I've been somewhere and people have recognised me. You were there. You were also recognised. It was awesome. Holy shit, I'm in a room with two celebrities. Yeah, you are. We were recognised in a lift. Cool. In a Stood hotel there, and leaves. having a conversation. <laughs> you guys were on stage one. It was awesome. Yeah, we are. So we are celebrities. So we get to talk to celebrities every episode. And no. so do they, because I know who they are. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's it for now. Isn't yes. It? Yep. Uh, follow us on Twitter at W1S1. Send us an email. Actually, this is all in the closing credits song, but you probably won't listen to that. So, yeah, world one stage one at gmail.com. You can send us an email there. Uh, you can also send us one at mail at worldonestage1.com. There's so many options for getting in touch, so please do, because we love hearing from you. Literally. We love hearing from you. The audio comments are also boss. Yes. Also, Mike, more two-minute reviews. Yeah. They're, they're Quick, genius. pick a game you hate and make them review it. Final Fantasy VII. Oh. <laughs> yes Mike I'd love you forever if you if you review Final Fantasy 7 in two minutes and send me one million pounds <laughs> I'll let you on Simon's ship <laughs> there's like a back door you're assuming you're going to have a key I'm not going to have a key I'm in charge in. Troy you're not going to know how to get on the ship unless you pay me a million dollars that's alright I'm going to have a million pounds off Mike <laughs> doy so <laughs> This has been a very special World 1 Stage 1. This has been. I have been Simon. I have been Mike. I have been Troy. Goodbye. Ta-da. 
That was World 1 Stage 1. Visit our website at world1stage1.com. Join our forum, send us an email, or follow us on Twitter at W1S1. And, of course, our thanks go to Power Glove for our theme tune.